If I was to go and ask your neighbor right now, what are you known for? What would your neighbor say? What, what would your coworker at work say? Oh, yeah, if I was to describe so-and-so, you, what words would they use to describe you? What words would uh, your family use? <laughs> what about your kids? I was thinking through this whole thought of what other people around me would say about me. And I started thinking through this idea of the culture of my home. Started thinking about what are the important things that I've been pouring into my kids for years. And last night... Um, had the privilege of watching Gabe go off to a, to a homecoming dance. And, and uh, so he gets all dressed up, and his buddy Solo comes over, and, and they're, you know, they're in the bathroom, and they're making sure everything looks fly and looks good. And, and uh, you know, they got, they, got the, they got the white shirts on. Gabe has this pink tie on because he's got to match the girl he went with her dress. And, like, he's, he's all, everything's looking good. Rain starts coming down, and Gabe's out in there, and I'm, I'm thinking about this, and, and Kasha's kind of like, Brian, make sure you give Gabe the talk before he goes, you know, make sure you kind of lay down the law and everything, and, you know, like, he's, he's going to a dance with a pretty girl, and so I was like, you know, when you dance, make sure you stay way away, you know, like, <laughs> it's kind of like this, you know. I told Solo, I said, there'll be none of, you know, like any of, you know, like up close, you know, like none of that. So making sure, right? Because, because for me, there's a part of me that the culture that I create in my home carries out everywhere I go, and it carries out even in my kids, so the culture that I create at home is going to be the same type of culture that Gabe is going to carry out with him when he goes out. And so he better not be doing no, you know, like, I mean, he can, he can do that as long as he's by himself and she's really far away. Because, because for us, we, we've tried to create a culture. Like for us in our home, we, we have a no dating culture. Now, we don't strategically say it has to be that way. Well, I guess we kind of do. But uh, part of it is, is we want it to come from our kids. And the reason is, is because we feel like in, in our home, in this season right now, their best attention and best focus should be upon school and upon deciding what God is doing in their life and really beginning to connect with the Lord and being able to say, God, what are you doing? And here's the thing. Anytime you throw a relationship in there, come on, all the older people in the house, what happens? Chaos, distractions, hormones, bad choices. Come on, we could go on and on and on. So young people, listen to me, just don't date. Just don't date. Follow the example of Pastor Casey. He's never dated anyone. Right? I don't think you've ever dated, have you? Kind of? Well, we don't need to get into all that right now. Okay. I love that, that Pastor Casey's always trying to promote this culture of like, hey, this is because culture is important. Because how we live, how we act, the culture that we create around us matters. And what we're seeing right now is in our culture right now, we're seeing a culture that is, is dealing with pain. We're seeing a culture around us that's confused. We're seeing a culture around us that is hurting. We're experiencing abuse on all fronts. And really, whether you like it or not, the activists that are rising up and saying enough is enough is swinging a pendulum that seems to be dividing us even more so in our culture than ever before. And this thought hits me in the midst of a culture that's around us. I can think of the culture I'm trying to create in my home. I can think of the culture I'm trying to create in my marriage. I can think of the culture that I'm trying to create in the church around me, in my life with other people, in my interaction. I can think about all of that. But this thought hits me, and that is this, is where is the church? Where's the church? 
in the midst of the culture around us. I'm not talking about the building. That's, that's the house of worship. I'm talking about the church, the people, you and me. You and I are a part of the church. And the question that I have is really where is the church in the midst of the culture? Where's the church in the midst of what's going on all around us? Because our culture is screaming out right now, and they're screaming out for answers, and they're screaming out asking you and I the question of, who are you? I was reading uh, in Psychology Today, actually. I don't read that on a very often, but, but I was reading inside there about this idea of the hashtag. And in this article, it was talking about that hashtag activism quote-unquote, can be a powerful way to control a narrative regarding a common cause that either has been neglected or misrepresented by media, and it offers the opportunity for a communal participation across the globe. When you look at things that are happening around us from hashtag Black Lives Matter to hashtag Me Too, to hashtag what's next. You'll find out all these different things. There's these people who are finally rising up and they're saying, my voice must be heard and I can't be alone in my voice. And my question is, is where is the church in the midst of that? Because these simple hashtags are controlling the narrative that's around us. Without getting into politics this morning or anything, can I just share something that has been grieving my heart? As I sit here and I watch things that are happening in our culture right now unfolding, literally yesterday unfolding, can I just say things that grieve my heart is this, is the narrative that goes around about this, of possible sexual abuse. My heart breaks for that. And you, you could say, well, it's not about, it's not about sexual abuse, Maybe it's a possible false narrative. My heart breaks for that as well. My heart breaks for those who are being abused, and my heart breaks for those who are creating false narratives. There is, there is a lot of stuff happening in our culture that I think we, the church, should be present in the middle of the conversation, but where's the church? See, what happens many times is we respond to the judgment that's around us or I mean, excuse me, we respond to the narrative that's around us many times with judgment and accusation. Can I just say, none of us were in any of those moments that we've been watching unfold upon the TV. And so for us to come out and to make a definite statement that this is how it is, is wrong. It's wrong. You may, you may say, well, it's a false narrative. Okay, or maybe it's a real narrative. Because here's what's happening is those who are being sexually abused or have been sexually abused are not running into the arms of a, of a church that's saying, hey, come in. Guess where they're running? They're running to the complete opposites. And, and I, come on now, five weeks, so there's something a little bent up inside, like caught up inside of me. Like for five weeks I've been sitting here watching all these narratives unfold, and I'm like, man, I've got to talk to the church because here's what I know is that it, it, the real question that we're dealing with here isn't where is the church, but really it's this. It's is this the church? See, the problem isn't where is the church. The problem is is, is this the church? Because what culture around us is seeing is they're seeing a church that is struggling itself with sexual abuse. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Bill Hybels. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know. So I, I only know accusations that have been brought. But a pastor who leads a very influential uh, uh, church was the leader of a, a very large evangelical moment or movement. Bill Hybels, accused of sexual abuse accusations and things and and for many years you know what has happened is is people are trying to silence those voices can i tell you that's wrong you can see what's happening in the catholic church right now here's a news article just from the other day october 4th 13 states now investigating alleged sexual abuse linked to the catholic church on the 5th was released a study by the German um, 
government actually that found that 3,700 children were found to be abused by German priests. And it was found actually in the files. They actually knew about 3,700. They're actually saying there's more than 3,700 who have probably actually been abused. But there's 3,700 of them who actually have, and half of them are under the age of 13 when this happened. So here's the real question. It's not, where is the church? What culture is really asking is they're saying, is this the church? Because people are looking at it, and we wonder why church attendance is down across America. I think it's because what we're seeing is people are asking this question, is that the church? Because if that's the church, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And politics is dividing us to a place to where basically those who have been sexually abused and are lifting their voices and things are actually feeling that they can't run into the arms of a loving Savior, that they're actually running into the arms of loving others. And we're the ones with the answer, and we're the ones with the hope. But yet we divide ourselves. So is this the church? And I'm struck with this thought. If this is the church, I don't want to be a part of it. And I wonder if I feel that way, how do you feel? I'm tired of seeing leaders fall. I'm tired of seeing Christian leaders being the front page of headlines out there. I'm tired of us being known more for what we hate and dislike than what we love. And so today my question is, is this, is what would it look like if you and I actually started a different movement that focused on hashtag greatest command? What if we actually began living out the greatest command that was given to you and to me? For 75 years, this church has been trying to live out the greatest command. In fact, the past few weeks, that's what we've been looking at, is looking at what is the greatest command. And in those weeks, we actually focused in on one week where we talked about love. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, let's dig into God's Word and see what God's Word has to say on this subject. I know I'm coming out of the gates kind of swinging. I don't mean to just be swinging, but I'm just telling you, my heart is grieved Because I want to see the church win. I want to see the church become known for what we should be known for. And that is the subject of love. That people around us should be looking at the church and not seeing us as condemning and people who are closed off. But they should see us as people who are loving. The narrative, and think about this, the enemy would love to paint the narrative how it's being painted across America. So the question is, is will we be silent or will we lift our voices? Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. And it's interesting because we actually see the Pharisees trying to control the narrative. Can I tell you, the enemy is trying to control the narrative. The enemy is trying to control the narrative that's being spoken across America. And Jesus has been in this teaching, and and basically there's this debate that's going on among the leaders about what commandment is the greatest of all. And it says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Listen, people are going to ask us questions. Don't be afraid of the questions that come your way. He said this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees in this moment and what he's saying to us is, listen, the the one thing, the greatest thing that you and I could ever do, the greatest thing you could ever do is love others. Now, you can't love others unless you love God. And, and I would say this, it's, it's hard to even love God if you can't love others. They all go, they're all connected. It's hard to love life if you don't love others. And if you don't love life, then it's really hard to love God, too. 
All, all of them are connected. Loving God and loving people are connected to each other. And when Jesus is sitting here giving this commandment, what he's basically saying is love goes beyond just a feeling. And, and love actually is responsible to even rise above and provide hope to people. Do you know what our culture needs right now? They need the church to love so that hope can rise. Culture around us, let me say it again, because a few of you saw that moment, but here we go. The, the culture around us needs to see the church love so that then hope can rise. Because what will happen is, is that when love is happening, people begin to receive hope. People begin to receive hope that, that maybe everything around them isn't falling apart because someone actually loves me. Someone actually cares for me. I can't tell you how many times I'll find myself in a, in a down situation. And I'll come home and I'll see Kasha and she'll just begin loving me. Just caring for me. Loving me even when I'm messed up. Come on now, anyone in the house? Like, isn't it fantastic that your spouse loves you even when you're messed up? And she'll love me in those moments. I love it when my kids will still love me in the moments, even when I'm messed up, even when I'm doing things wrong. They love me through it. And there's something that happens when they love me through that moment. What happens is, is hope begins to rise inside of me. And all of a sudden, I start hoping for things. And all of a sudden, my outlook is looking at things differently. Our culture around us needs us to love them. Someone once said this, that hope is essential to man. For man is not yet brave enough to exist without it. Man has not yet learned the work for the joy of work, learn for the sake of growth, or to love simply for the pleasure of loving. He still requires a reward, but love goes beyond just hope. Hope is the beginning, and love is something that is forever. And that is why Jesus actually said to you and I, the greatest commandment, the greatest thing you could ever do is actually love. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 actually says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? He says love. Now you may be sitting here and thinking, well, Pastor Brian, like this seems like just a simple message. Yeah, it's a simple message that's really hard to live out. Because sometimes loving people is loving people who are actually enemies. I can sit here and look across social media and I can become enamored or just sickened by people who are professing to love Jesus Christ and saying the things that they're saying. I just, it just, I just don't get it. Like I literally sit there and I watch it and I just go, this just doesn't make sense. It grieves my heart that I have to watch someone from our church post on their, their status. This is not how all Christians are. Please don't judge us for this. That breaks my heart. Because if the church was actually loving people the way that God instructed us to love people, it would be completely different. And so yeah, it's great that our church for the past 75 years has been serving others. It's great that we've been empowering the next generation. It's fantastic that we've been faithful. But the one thing in the midst of all of it, if we could just get this one thing right, it would change everything. That is just simply to love. And if we would love others, then what would happen is, is, is our, our influence would go outside of these four walls and it would actually carry into the community. You see, it's a culture. And what you celebrate actually gets repeated. So when we celebrate love and we celebrate welcoming others, that's what gets repeated. But sometimes what we've done is we've made it into things becoming more about how the lights are, the environment. All those things are great, but can I just say, the most important thing you and I can do is love people. And it doesn't happen on Sundays. It happens Monday through Saturday. So when you're filling your car up with gas, and you're sitting there at work, and you're, you're with your family, how you love others is how you will be known. It's what creates the culture. So what is our culture? By definition, the word culture is this. It's the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes an institution or organization. 
So if we were to ask this question, what's our culture? In fact, if I was to put it maybe in this way, what will our culture be moving forward? What would you say? What will our culture be? Because see, I can say all day long, let's be all about love. But how you love throughout the week determines whether that is what we're known for. In fact, the, the scriptures actually says that you will be known by your love one for another. How are you doing loving others? What if the movement for us became a movement of hashtag love? Now you could say, well, man, the world sure does define love in some messed up ways. Exactly. That's why we have to be louder. And the way that we're louder is, is not with our voice, but with our actions. Anyone can stand on a box. Oh, excuse me, that's not the way we do it anymore. Anyone can sit behind a computer screen and type something. The new soapbox is the computer. We've given voices to everyone around us, and the culture around us is saying, if that is what the church is like, then I don't want to be a part of it. So do we get silent? No. We lift our voice louder, and we show them what it means to love others. Is there anyone in the house today, come on, like that, is ready to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus? Is ready to go out and to love the community the way that God's called us to love the community? Yes, they won't think like you, they won't act like you. And that's okay, because prior to Christ, you didn't act like you do now either. You weren't the same. I know some of your stories. Woo! Some of you were messed up, jacked up, screwed up. I mean, you, you, you were a mess. But one moment with Jesus changed everything. How can that moment ever happen if all we are is judgmental and if all we are is unloving? The reason why that happened is because somebody within the past 75 years took time to love you right where you are, saw you in your brokenness, and said, God has a better plan for your life. You see, hashtag love is, is really about you and I actually being the hands and feet of Jesus. So, so we... We, we try to give you these different tools. Like here's one right here, and I know I haven't been able to talk about this, but this impact card for Lenaway is this whole idea of you and I actually going out and showing God's love in a practical way. Just a simple tool where you can go out and buy someone's McDonald's, buy their sandwich, buy their groceries, buy their gas. You could do anything. You could babysit someone's kids. Keena Wilson, who was up here before, she's got like 100 kids. She needs somebody to help her with her kids. They're running around everywhere. And she like adopts kids. They just like, she's like, I could just take more kids and everything. But she needs someone to help her with all those. You could say, hey, you know what, Keena? I want to show God's love in a practical way. I was at Goodwill the other day, and, you know, because I love Goodwill. And I was over there at Goodwill, and I was looking through some stuff, and, and all of a sudden I came across this, um, this massage chair. You know, like they're, they're portable massage chairs, and they fold up, and you can put them inside of a bag. And I was sitting there, and I knew someone in our church, Hannah, actually, not only, and, and I knew that she actually was going to school for massage therapy. And it was like, in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, you got to show God's love in a practical way. Buy that for Hannah. And so I'm like, all right. So I, of course, didn't pay the price that was on it. I mean, I had to wheel and deal with them. And, and, and I just was like, hey, here's the deal. And anyways, so, you know, I, kinda, I did tell them. I was like, it's for a single mom. And, uh, and the lady's like, okay. She, and so she gave me a great deal. But anyways, I got that. Because why? Because I'm trying to show God's love in a practical way. What would happen in our community if this was a moment that happened all the time? How cool would it be if, like, you go to the, you're sitting there at JR's and you're, you're eating dinner with your family and all of a sudden the waitress comes over to you and hands you this card and just says, hey, they just wanted to show God's love in a practical way. And you were like, that's so awesome. 
And then you know what happens? Then you're like, man, I've been blessed. Can I buy that person's over there? And you know what happens? It just keeps passing on and on and on. And all of a sudden, people start seeing these cards about showing God's love in a practical way, and they're seeing action to something that is being spoken. Because culture around us is wondering what the church is really like. Well, let's answer it. Let's show them what the church is really like. Let's love people around us. Listen, I I know many of you in this room, you have the resources to be able to bless other people around you. So stop worrying about taking it all in and just start giving it out. Because here's what I know about God, and he's so cool like this, is that when you just start giving out, God's like, oh, you're someone I can trust with more. Let me give you back more. And you may say, Pastor Brian, does it really work that way? Well, it has for Kosh and I. We've seen God just do crazy things. We made a faith move, and and I was literally like, man, how are we going to be able to do this faith move? I literally just got a letter in the mail the other day, and it said, hey, when you sold your house and everything, actually, uh, there was such and such and this and that and all these things, and they're like, you actually are owed $1,700 that you didn't have to pay. And I was like, oh, well, that can go towards my faith move. I wasn't expecting that. But God's providing in a crazy way. And so I sit there and I go, okay, God, you're doing these things. So, so basically, what are we trying to become? We're trying to become known for our love. That's what this is. It's just a simple way. We have tons of these cards. We've ordered thousands of them. You know why I ordered thousands of them? Is because there should be thousands of random acts of kindness happening all the time. It shouldn't just be on Good Friday when we put all the money together. Guess what? People are like, well, I, I just... I, Just show God's love in a practical way. Be kind to somebody. You know, you could actually just pray for somebody. I was talking with a Christian guy the other day, and he said, it blows me away, Pastor Brian, that when I tell you I need prayer, you actually pray for me right then. Did you guys catch that? People are blown away in our community that Christians who say they're going to pray for you, pray for you right then and there. Does anyone else think there's something wrong with that? That means our culture around us has heard a lot of lip service from the church when they need to be seeing the action from the church. Pray for somebody right there. But but it's in the middle of Walmart. There are weirder things that happen in Walmart than prayer. Okay, let's just all be honest. Much, much weirder things. Take the moment and pray for somebody. So what are we trying to become known for? Well, we're all about bringing people one step closer. That's it. We're all about bringing people one step closer. Well, how are we going to bring people one step closer? By loving God, by loving people, and here we go. The next one is loving life. See, here's what I know. You can't love life if you don't love God. You can't even love life if you don't love other people. Because here, I've met people who don't like other people, and they're the most miserable people to be around with. And they're always like, everything's bad around them. They hate life. Life is horrible. It's like if you would just love other people, then you could actually love the life that God's given you. Love God, love people, and you can love the life that God's given you. See, loving God is all about having a real relationship with Jesus every day. And it it really starts as a foundation for our expression of who God is. And loving people is all about loving others in the same manner that you would want to be loved. As Christ's followers, we're to display the love of Jesus in a real deal for other people around us. People should look at us and go, oh, that person right there is a Christian. Oh, that person is, that person really does love Jesus. They shouldn't be like, you love Jesus? I had no idea. You're the most ungrateful, hateful, meanest person I've ever met. You're a Christian? And then we wonder. And that's why people ask, is that what the church is like? Because if that's what the church is like, I don't want to be a part of it. But you know what? If we were loving others, and we were loving God, and we were the most friendliest and welcoming, and like, dude, it's okay. We know you got problems. Guess what? I got problems too. Like, We got problems, like it's all good in the hood. But see, we don't like to be in the hood because we like to have our own little thing and our own little bubble. 
And we don't want people to influence us who, who should never, you know, have influence on us. And, oh, my goodness, my kids, what if they get around that person? Well, guess what? One day your kids are going to leave like, my daughter left us. I'm just joking. But she did. She left us. She went down to Florida. She's down there. Guess what? Mom and dad can no longer put the safety covering over her. But you know what mom and dad did is we taught our daughter how when she was even young to live inside of the world that's around her. How to love other people. Love is what God is calling us to. And the church is an agency for love. The church isn't where you meet. The church isn't a building. The church is what you do. The church is who you are. And you and I need to go and be the church. We need to go out and be the church in our community. We need to define what the church really is. We've got to stop allowing Fox News to define who the church is. And we've got to stop allowing CNN to define who the church is. And we've got to stop allowing the Daily Telegram to define who the church is. Listen, you cannot, let's be individuals who show culture around us who the church is. Let's be individuals who love others who are around us. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 16. It's just a few chapters um, from chapter 22. But Matthew chapter 16, I want to share this passage with you. It says, when Jesus arrived in the villages in verse 13 of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are the people saying about who the Son of Man is? Jesus wants to know, what are people around saying about me? What, what are people around saying about me? And they replied, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he presses them a little bit further and he says this, and how about you? He says, who do you say I am? And just like he asked that question back then, I think he's asking us this question today. Who do you say I am? Who is Jesus really to you? Who's Jesus to you in your life? Simon Peter then speaks up, the scriptures say. He says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus comes back and says, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. He says, you didn't get the answer out of the books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. Now some of you are sitting here and you're reading your translation right now and you're going, my translation does not sound like this right here. That's all right, because I'm reading to you from the message translation. But this is what I love. It says, my Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. See, Jesus is going to speak something into Peter. And he's like, listen, you are Peter, a rock. And this rock right here on which I put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. What Peter was being told by Jesus was this, is that if you will love God and you'll love others, then nothing can stop you. Because this is who you are. You're a part of the church. You're a part of the organ. You are a part of making a difference in the culture around you. And then he says this, and that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven a yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What is he being told by Jesus? Jesus is saying, listen, you have everything you need to go out and to love others. Can I tell you, you have everything you need to go and love others. What does it mean to have a culture of love? It means you've got to go do it. Pastor Brian, has been great. We celebrated 75 years. Fantastic. We have to go and love our culture. We have to love those who are around us. So three things real quickly. First is this, is you've got to step into love. Step in to love. So you've got to keep Christ first. You've got to step into it. 
Knowledge alone does not put Christ first. We must step in to love. The Pharisees, the scribes, they knew a lot about who Jesus was. They knew a lot even about love, but yet they still rejected Christ. Stepping into love means we must become his followers, his disciples, his many Christ. People should look at us and go, oh, yeah, I totally see. Yeah, you are, you, you're a lot like Jesus. The attributes of Jesus should be coming out of us. When we step into love, people should be like, oh, those people right there, yeah, they're, they're like Jesus. They're some of the most compassionate, the most servant-hearted, the most loving, the most forgiving, the most committed, the most prayerful, the most gentle, the most patient, the most self-controlled, the most humble people that I've ever met. Because why? Because we get to hang around with Jesus. That's why Jesus is saying the question to you and me, who do you say that I am? Because those attributes, you can never live up to those on your own, but in Christ you can So if you know that Jesus is the one, then you can actually have the moment where you can step into love. The next is this is step up to love. Step up to love. If you look back at verse 17, it says this, You didn't get that answer out of the books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. If you were to step up to love, it's going to be you actually stepping up into a greater understanding of who God is. And that comes by asking him to show you. Do you think it's easy to love your enemy? No. And that's why you talk with the Lord and you say, Father, would you help me to love my neighbor? Would you help me to love my coworker? Would you help me to love this person? I'm not saying love comes simple and easy. I'm just saying love is what we've been instructed to do. We have to step up in to love. Before the 75th, we did a series on APEST and the, the idea of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and everyone discovered kind of this, this part of who they were. Do you remember that? I know it's been five weeks, but how, how many apostles in the house? Come on, raise your hand. You're like, that, that was me. I strong, like, that was my strongest was apostle. How many uh, evangelists? Evangelists. Okay. Prophets prophets okay shepherd all right teachers yeah lots of teachers and here's what it says in in ephesians 4 says and he gave apostles prophets evangelists shepherds teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so that now this is key so that you will no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Listen, there is a real enemy out there who's trying to influence your life. Here's what it says. Scripture goes on to say, rather speaking the truth in love. Oh. Oh, okay. So I'm to, I'm to speak the truth in love. So we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Oh, okay, so the way that I love others is through Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love. Oh, so the body of Christ is supposed to be a place of love. So it's not just Pastor Brian up here saying we need to be known for our love. It's actually what the scriptures say. That people will know us by our love. So it's not only that we're supposed to step up, but here's the last one, is that we need to step out. We need to step out to love. Here's what I have always found that's crazy. It's, it's hard for us to just love each other inside of the four walls. And then when we say, now I want you to go love others, it's like, oh, well, I'll do that on Good Friday. Because on Good Friday, I mean, everyone's, you know, open to it and stuff because it's Good Friday and they know. And so I'll love other people on Good Friday. Can I just encourage you, love other people every day of the week. Put these in your card. Put them in your wallet. Put them inside your purse. 
have them all around and just be like, I'm going to have these cards everywhere I go so that I can show God's love in a practical way. And we say, well, Pastor Brian, are you just trying to promote the church? Yes, I am. I'm trying to define, help the culture around us know that the church is a place of love. That the culture around us, they're asking the question, who is the church? And the media is saying, well, the church is sexual predators. You may say, well, we're, we're not Catholic. Do you not think the culture around us, they don't know the difference between Assemblies of God and Catholic. It's the church. In their minds, culture says that's the church. Culture around us is looking, and you may say, well, it's not just about the cat. I mean, look around us. All they hear about on the news is when a leader falls. Or the news is, is if you don't send me money so I can buy my new private jet, I'm going to die. Oh. Pastor Brian, are you talking against one of God's saints? No, I'm just, I'm literally just giving you what came out. That's what culture is saying the church is about. So what are we trying to do? Show God's love in a practical way. See, this passage says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock in which I put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. There is a real enemy who's trying to bring destruction. And the reality of it is he's trying to pollute the word. He's sending wolves into the church. False apostles and workers are coming in. Selfish ambition is rising up. Anger is rising up. All these things. Those are not God's people. That's not people who, who are people of God. No, those are, that's the enemy's tactics. And the church must realize that the attacks are not coming from the outside, but they're actually coming from the inside. Because if the enemy can actually take away the credibility of the church, then he knows culture will never listen to it. So what we have to do is be people who realize that we have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Keys to open any and every door. So we step up, we step in, and we step out. My prayer to you is this, or my, my prayer, my prayer for you today is this. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. It's been five weeks. My prayer is this. Is that today you'll leave this place having experienced the love of God. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet across the room. In the Old Testament, there was a place that was known as the altar. And at the altar, it was known as a place of sacrifice. In fact, the Hebrew word that was used meant this. It meant a place to slaughter. The Greek word that was used there was a place of sacrifice. It was a place where the divine met with the human where the divine world of God met with human world and they interacted and began to, to see unity begin to take place. And it was in moments at an altar where God would respond to the request of the people. See, it was in an altar where the sins of mankind would be laid down and a sacrifice would be put in their place. And as I was praying for today, I felt like the Lord just said, why don't you actually open up the altar this morning? What if you actually open the altar up to be a place of healing for those who are sick in body? What if you open up the altar today to be a place where people could discover who they are in Christ? What if you open up the altar today for it to be a place maybe of repentance? Maybe it'd be a place where we would come down and we would actually spend some time and say, God, teach me to love others. 
It could be a place of not only just repentance, but maybe a place of renewal. So this morning I'm going to ask you to just do one simple thing. It doesn't have to be a long time on the altar or anything, but if today if you'd say, you know what, man, I, I, I want to interact with God today. I, I want to have a moment of just interaction with him, and, and maybe for you it's a need in your life. Maybe it's not. Maybe for you it's like, God, just help me to love others. Come on, that's a simple request that all of us can probably take. One simple step today. God, help me to love others. And if today you'd say, you know what, that, I, I, I want to take that step, then, then I'm going to encourage you to do something that we don't normally do on a Sunday, but I'm going to ask you, if that's you today, you'd say, you know what, I, I want to meet with God. I'm just going to ask you just to come and just stand down along these altars. And just to say, God, I just, I'm asking that you would meet with me here. Maybe you need a touch in your body today physically. Maybe it's a breakthrough. Maybe it's a renewal. Maybe it's, maybe it's a moment of forgiveness. But you would just come and stand in this altar and you would just say, God, I just want to meet with you today. And then you would just begin to lift your voice to him right now and you would just begin to say, God, here I am. Meet with me here in this altar, in this time, in these moments, God. God, help me to love others. Help me to, to love those who are around me. God, help me to be the hands and feet of, of Jesus to the culture that's around me. God, help me to, to live out what I know in my heart. Help me to be more like you. So, Father, all across these altars, I just ask, God, that you would move in this place in these times. God, that this would be a divine moment, God, where heaven and earth would meet and, God, you would speak to the hearts and lives of your people, God, that, that you would fill people overflowing with your presence today, God, that hope would rise, that love would rise, God. God, I pray that today, God, that those who maybe are sick in body, God, that you would begin to strengthen their body right now, that disease and sickness would leave. God, that this would be a divine moment, God, for us to encounter your presence, a divine moment, God, to encounter who you are, a divine moment, God, where you would meet with us here in these moments, in this time. God, meet with us. God, meet with us here. Meet with us here. God, help us to love those around us. Help us to become known what we're for rather than what we're against. God, I pray right now that you would lift the scales of culture around us in the eyes of those who will come in contact with this week. And I pray, God, that you'll give us opportunity to show them what it really means to be the church, that we'll be people who will love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. God, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, God, that we would love them unconditionally, God, that we would love our co-workers, God, that we would love those we would come in contact with this week. God, that there would be no judgmental, no pride, no nothing, God, that could come in between us and loving other people. I pray, God, that you would tear those things down. God, create in us a clean heart, oh God. And God, renew a right spirit within us, I pray. And God, take not your presence from us, God. No, 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 no. No, God, deposit your presence into us, God. God, may we be carriers of your presence. May we be men and women who love you with all of our heart. May we be men and women who carry your presence into the places that you've called us to. May we take time to pray for the sick right then in the moment. May we take time to, to help those who are in need and not just give the, the same old Christian answer, I'll pray for you. No, God, may we actually take time. May we invest our resources. May it be more than lip service to our culture. May it be action. 
May the culture of Bethany Assembly be a place of love and a place of acceptance and a place of compassion and a place of serving and a place of being faithful and a place of self-control and a place where the broken and the hurting can come. May we be people who will listen to the stories around us. May we be people who will simply love. May we be people who will simply love. If you could just grab the hand of the person next to you right now just and kind of make a chain. So Father, I pray that today you would unify each and every one of us together. God, we are stronger together. We are better together. God, I pray right now that today, in this moment, God, you would knit us together, God. God, that we would realize that loving others is not something we have to do on our own, but actually there are others around us, inside of this church, around us, who you have brought into our lives for such a time as this. And so, Father, I pray, God, right now, would you just begin to pray for those who are right to your left and to your right? Come on, just begin to, just to lift them up. You may not even know their name, but just begin to say, God, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray, God, that you would help them to understand who you are. God, that they would understand what it means to love God. Just come on, just pray for those who are around you right now. God, I thank you that you have knit us together. God, I thank you that you have a plan and purpose for our lives. God, I thank you that truly we are better together. So I pray, God, that as we go out and we make an impact on the culture around us, God, that truly the culture of Bethany Assembly, the people of Bethany Assembly, would be known for love. Just help us to be known for love, for loving you with all of our heart and for loving others. God, help us to love you, to love others. Help us to love you, God, and to love others. And God, I know that if we love you and we love others, God, that then we can love the life that you've given us. So God, I thank you for that. Thank you for our mission. That's real simple. We're just going to help bring people one step closer this week, God. So God, I pray, God, for a moment when we pray for someone, that's a step. A moment where we invite someone, that's a step. A moment when we just share our story, that's a step. A moment when we smile and a moment when we should be frowning, that's a step, God. A moment where we show culture around us what it truly means to love. God, may our voice of what it means to love be louder than the false narratives that are out there. May our narrative be a narrative of love around this community, God. May this community here in Adrian, in Lenaway County, God, I pray that they will say, no, 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 the church here loves. The church here loves. The church here loves. I pray, God, that that is what we would be known for, and that would be the culture that we're creating through your help and in partnership and surrender to what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.